And now, a Breakthrough Basketball original podcast, The Jim Huber Show. After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown. Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it's hard work being this good. I was like, ow. (laughs) (laughs) He sounded like a a big choo-choo train. We join the Jim Huber Show, already in progress. I did that with not having any type of medication. <laughs> All right, today on the show, Jimmy's pretty fired up. Uh, special guest, who you got, Jim? We have the all-time assist leader in college basketball history, Troy. Who is the all-time assist leader? Jerry Meyer. Jerry Meyer, son of Don Meyer. Yeah, legendary coach that has the fifth most wins in college basketball history. And took you in as a youngster. Yes, and you remember him from the ESPYs. Yesterday, I was fortunate to visit with Coach John Wooden, and he gave me this card with guidance his father gave to him upon his graduation from grade school. One of his dad's favorite pieces of advice was the following, don't whine, don't complain, and don't make excuses. I'm just a small college coach. That means when I leave the motel tomorrow morning at 4.15, I'll take all the soap, shampoo, and even... And even the shower cap. Um. Yeah, now Jerry is the director of basketball scouting for 24-7 Sports. Hey, welcome to the show, Jerry. Hey, glad to be here. You know, one of the things I always say, your dad had that quote, said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> explain, explain that to everybody good, out there. That's a good one. That's great. Can't get lost in minutia. Can't outthink yourself. And it's not about showing how smart you are. And typically when we look at our greatest coaches, it's, it's about executing the simple play is not about making that highlight play it's about consistently making that everyday play with precision and said make the common play uncommonly well i have to tell you this jerry i got a quick story about your dad okay uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm 25 years old and a friend of mine scott simpson calls me up and says hey you got to come down to this this clinic coaching's clinic down at lipscomb university coach meyer's running it and i'm like okay where am i going to stay at he goes i think i can get you uh, uh, an opportunity to stay at his house i'm like are you serious he's like yeah and i don't even know your dad so scott All calls right. me up and says yeah i got it Coach Meyer's going to let you stay there. I get picked up from the airport. I go meet him at the, you know, kind of a sidewalk cafe with Scott. I'm 25, and he starts asking me, like, what I run on my secondary break. What do I do <laughs> yeah. in this situation? I'm looking at this guy going, right. you're a legend. And he's got his digital recorder, and he's recording everything and writing notes. I'm like, you're writing notes from me? <laughs> I want to know what you do. And then all of a sudden, he lets me stay at his place, doesn't even know me from Adam, gives me all this free information, and I'm like, like, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, just a servant giving heart, and I he made yeah. such an impression on me that day. That's that was one of his greatest traits, if not. I mean, how how does Don Meyer get better if Don Meyer just sits there and talks about himself to you? And he wasn't about status, the end result, or showing himself off, or you know, elitism. He was immersed in the game. He wanted to get better. He was on a journey, and he wanted to learn. You know, he was a student in the game, and I think that's a wonderful approach, a very, you don't see it a lot these days, but a very refreshing and a very inspiring approach. What I did see from your dad, your dad was about relationships and and treating every player that played for him as they were like his sons. I heard a story that one of his players, his son drowned in in a pool. 
and was struggling emotionally. And I think he dropped everything, got players together, drove from an area down like 14 hours to go camp out with him. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if the movie ever uh, gets out, that was a big part of the movie. You know, they, they have a scene where he's on the, he's laying on the floor. The player's name is Wade Tomlinson. He was a great teammate and a great player. And uh, he was just on the floor, you know, sobbing, crying, as you would imagine. So there's a scene in the movie, and, you know, I don't know exactly how accurate it was, you know, it's a movie, but I think it gets across the point. Um, my dad laid down with him and started crying with him and then, you know, got him to buck up, you know, sort of got down there with him and then brought him up. The F word has been, unfortunately, uh, used highly in our society in the world today, and we use it in our basketball program also. Our F words are faith, family, and friends. Faith that God, faith that God has a reason for sparing my life at this time so I can try to serve others for a few more years. You know, Jerry, your, your dad was into, you know, coaching a certain type of player that had the great attitude, the work ethic, building teams, and having kids there for four years. What is your, you know, the, the controversy about the one and done and the recruiting cycle? What's your thoughts about that today? To get to the point, I, I, don't, I don't think you should make a kid go to college. To me, that's the dumbest thought ever. You know, is that what college is about? <laughs> Making someone go to college? Football, they do it. Uh, but you have, you know, the physical nature of the game. Uh, just keeping it to sports here. Baseball, you have the option to go. If you don't, then it's a three-year thing. Maybe basketball should go. You know, you got to stay two years. Or you can go out of high school. It's good for my business because Kentucky's recruiting a new crop of players. Yeah. You know, like eight of them every recruiting season. So from a selfish perspective, it's great for me. Just in, but, you know, stepping outside of myself, I don't think it's that good. I think it would be neat for college programs to have a little continuity where fans got to know the players. It might be healthy for freshmen to sit on the bench a little bit, you know, and to have to work and struggle and suffer a little bit, uh, like in the good old days. But making a kid go to college for just one year, you know, come on, man. I mean, we know why they're doing it, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Don't you think, though, Jerry, like nowadays where coaches have pressure where if a kid's like a top 20 kid, uh, even though maybe he needs to sit more, they play him more because of maybe pressure from the outside, and if they don't play enough and develop, then maybe they're not going to get yeah. some of those kids in the future? Uh, yep, there's that pressure. There certainly is. And then on the flip side, I, I truly believe there are coaches uh, who have somewhat held players back to try to get them back to come back, have to come hmm. back for another year. Interesting. I mean, I have a story where I'm not going to name any names, but this guy's been a prominent coach in – uh, crazy enough, he's been in trouble a couple times. <laughs> I want you to hear this story. Uh, he coached a, a guy who is now a marquee player in the NBA. He had this player at a small college. The guy kind of came out of nowhere. And he was offering to pay people money. Uh, my buddy who worked with me, he propositioned with this to pose as an NBA scout and to advocate to this player 
that he would be better served to spend one more year in college. <laughs> Jay, Troy, Troy doesn't oh, believe this oh stuff happens, God. Jerry, so this is opening his eyes up. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell you, you know, let's don't act like all these college coaches are great people and great examples, you know, and I think you guys know the drill. Um, but a lot of times your average fan, they think every coach is Tom Izzo. Yeah. Well, give me a break, you know. It, you got to be really, you know. I've I've learned in this business, man. You you got to you got to be slow to judge stuff, and you got to just cipher it through. And you can't trust social media, and you can't trust the media in general. Mm-hmm. And you know, there there there's so much. There are so many layers and so much context behind every story. Let's put it that way. Jerry Meyer of 24-7 is with us, and, and you evaluate kids that are going to be college NBA players. Anybody ever come up to you like a crazy parent and try to get you to rank a kid that shouldn't have been ranked or put pressure on you? Uh, Does that stuff happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does happen. Because <laughs> i got a boy that's a junior. That yeah, Troy's really going to call you after hey, the show. This guy can shoot the ball. I'm telling you. I'm brutally honest honest in situations like that to build a barrier around myself. Put it this way, I have no voicemail on my phone. <laughs> so, if I don't know your number, I'm not answering. You want to get to me, you send me a text, let me know who you are. And if you're a parent who wants to talk about rankings, I'll be glad to talk to you about how your kid can improve or what he needs to do better. But, you know, come on, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Let's have let's have a little bit of respect for the system and a little bit little bit of respect for my uh, professionalism. And that you know, and I'll tell you this: parents need to understand this. You badger scouts. Um, if you badger coaches, you you only hurt your cause. Yeah. And and I try to be. I try not to hold anyone's brother, uncle, mentor, coach, mom, or dad against them who has treated me unprofessionally, and I try my best, but we're all human. Yeah. Right, right. Hey, Jerry, what role do do the shoe companies play in where players end up going to college? Well, I would say the better the player, the more. I would say the more the shoe company invested in the player, the more. In other words, a kid with, with a less stable home life, you know, it just depends who can get in there and get control. A lot of times it eliminates schools. So, for instance, you're a top, that's just, you know, just hypothetical out of the blue, and we could do this for any of the shoe companies. Let's say you're a high-profile Under Armour player, and Under Armour's invested a lot in you. One, you may not necessarily go to an Under Armour school, but you're going to have Under Armour schools on your final list. Mm-hmm. You're going to go visit that school, and you're going to do that just at the least out of respect to that shoe company. Um, and it might eliminate some other a Nike school. It's not a black and white. You know, fans are like, oh, this guy, you know, Andrew Wiggins played Nike, but he went to Kansas, and they're Adidas. You know, it's not black and white. Every kid who plays on a Nike team is going to go to a Nike school and vice versa. But the influence is 100% pervasive. Hey, Jerry, I talked to Troy about how competitive these shoe companies are with each other. And the and what I see, and I've been to some of the top 100 camps, is uh, what I've seen through all this is there all these companies are trying to get the next Steph Curry. Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, whoever it is to kind of sell shoes, sell merchandise is what I see right. a lot of this is about. That, that's ultimately what it's about. Now, 
Yes, they also want to just build their their uh, you know appeal of their products to the grassroots, but ultimately Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, they're they're thinking about at most like twenty kids when they go to bed at night. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at most. At most. Now, it's more you got college coaches calling up that representative from Nike saying, man, can you, can you do me a solid? Can you help me out here? You know, what do I need to do to get in with this kid? You know, it's probably more like that. But they're worried about that guy they're going to sign who they think can move product as an NBA, you know, all-star and superstar. Jerry, all the AAU basketball that you see in doing your job, when, when you see something like – Kobe Bryant, and I have a son that plays AAU and Jim coached Mocan, but Kobe Bryant says, AAU, horrible, terrible, AAU basketball. It's stupid. It doesn't teach our kids how to play the game, and all you end up is with kids that are big, and they bring it up, and they do fancy crap, and they don't know how to post up. It's stupid, end quote. What do you make of that? It's a quote coming out of frustration from losing, and part of it is Kobe was living overseas, and Kobe's very proud of himself. And, you know, let's be honest, he can be called an arrogant person. And so he's just pissed off he lost. I'm sure the player he's mad at, you know, probably played AU, but there are definitely things that AU uh, could improve upon. But, you know, I, you know, Kobe Bryant used to have a, have a skills academy affiliated with Nike, and how is that not just part of the AU system as well? AU is kind of like, you know, when you think about Kleenex as a tissue, AU is not everything about spring, summer basketball. And you, I know I've seen tweets that you've mentioned about, you know, for all the blanket AU haters, check out the Peach Jam one year. Campaign AU with one oh, exactly. paintbrush. I'm telling you, that's as good a basketball and as competitive as basketball as you will see on the amateur level. I mean, it has a March Madness feel to it, and you have players that are going to be pretty much about all of them are going to play in March Madness, and then you'll watch games where half the guys on the court, there'll be at least five NBA players uh, playing. So, you know, I I don't think that's a problem, but, yeah, certainly there are problems. I, I just think in general... Uh, high school, I think youth leagues, I think we were too focused on winning at a very young age. Now, trust me, I'm all about competing. <laughs> but competing is not telling kids to stand here, stand there, you know, or play a zone, or just let the one guy who dribbles well take every shot, you know, so the coach can win. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 to me, that's not competing. That's ego. Mm-hmm and hubris and just trying to win and it's not helping the kids you know let's teach the kids how to dribble pass screen cut move um play multiple positions i think that's a lot of what kobe's talking about because of the european developmental model you know everyone plays every position and it's a it's a highly you work on your skills and you work on your skills within a team framework so what we have now is specialization at an early age and then kids with enough money or resources or opportunities, perhaps they don't have money, but, you know, there's a coach in the neighborhood or whatever or someone who thinks they can make money on them one day, they're, they're doing individual skill training. So we, in America, we have guys that can dribble forever, you know, have great moves, uh, can get a shot off anytime they want, 
but we're not teaching them how to do those, you know, highly skilled things within a team framework. And I think that's that's Kobe's frustration. I haven't seen a more disappointing lineup since the last Lakers game. Well, Jerry, let me ask you this, because we get a lot of parents that ask us or, you know, kids, how do you go about picking the right, you know, spring, summer or, or program to play in? It depends what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for a great experience and playing time, you know, well, put it this way. One, you're looking for a good experience. And some people maybe more than others. As far as, you know, your, your son has fun. And he enjoys playing. He likes the people he's with. He's comfortable with the coach. Another thing that could be valued is exposure. Maybe we don't know the kids on the team and we're not sure about this coach, but this team has a chance of playing in front of more college coaches. You know, and obviously we're talking about older kids now. So I don't know. So I think a family needs to sit down. It's kind of like choosing a college. And you got to assign values to those criteria. You know, what's, what's, what are we looking for here? What's most important? You know, for your 10-year-old kid, it's probably going to be different than your 16-year-old kid. Whereas a 16-year-old, you know, exposure might be a much higher priority. But you would tell the, uh, say, the kids that are 10 years old, 11 years old, younger kids, you'd tell the parents to make sure probably talking to a coach or a program director is, what do they do? Are they running a bunch of plays or are they teaching kids how to play? To me, at that age, that, I mean, that's what would be important to my son, for my children. That's what was important to me. You know, I want them to learn how to play. I, I want them to be pushed, but I don't want it to be about the coach winning. I want them to be pushed. I want them to be taught. I want them to have fun. I want them to learn to enjoy to compete. I mean, I think that's something that we really have to be aware of with our children. Mm-hmm. And there's no greater joy and deeper joy to me than working hard and improving and then being able to go to bed and know you're doing what you can do to max out on your talent. To me, you know, that's a deeper, more richer fun and I think you can make it fun in particular ways throughout that process but it's not you know all laughs and giggles you're gonna have to work one day so why why not teach our kids to immerse themselves in the process immerse themselves in the process of improving and working and learn to find value and joy in that I I have a son and I've coached him and I had to stop. I had to stop coaching him because for me, I got emotional when I was coaching my own son. I was a different guy. I, I never get mad at officials when I'm coaching other kids. My son's playing. My son's playing. If somebody touches yeah. him. It's like, ah, oh, it's a foul. Yeah, that's a foul. Wait a minute, man. It, so I had to stop. You played for your dad. Your dad was one of the greatest coaches of all time. How how was that relationship for you guys? Was it difficult? Was it easy? I can I can definitely relate to your story there. <laughs> you know, it's, you're more aware if your son's getting fouled and it made him miss a shot. But, yeah, um, it just it just with, felt like I was yeah. playing again. Sometimes I was coaching and yeah. playing. It's saying it wasn't good for me. Oh, for sure. I call it the parent twitch. I can always tell who the parents are in the crowd when I'm scouting. Because any time a guy goes up for a layup or goes up in traffic, you just find that parent who starts twitching <laughs> and contorting his body. That's me. And I, I can identify it. So, I, yeah, I have to watch myself. I try not to do the parent twitch when I watch my kids. Um, I think it was harder on my dad. In, in our particular situation, I think it was tougher on him. My father and me, we, we had a fine relationship. It was all good, but man, he, he was a he was a workaholic coach. And he was always kind of coach 
more so than dad. So I don't know, it highlighted or made very aware maybe where we were off a little bit in our personal relationship, if that makes any sense. It brought an intensity and a focus. So I, I think that was tough. But I think more so it just maybe put an overall strain on things. Mm-hmm. You know, playing the games and the practice. I mean, there were moments because, you know, you, you fuse coach with dad. And so, you know, I bring baggage, he brings baggage right. to the court. Right. And so I, I, I wouldn't say a parent should never coach his kid. I think probably as they get older, it definitely gets tougher. What what advice would you give to parents that coach their kids? What advice would you give them? I think you just got to be really aware of it. I think you have to be really aware of perception of other parents and their children. I was tougher on him than any other well, kid. I mean, that's right where I was going to go. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's fair. No, it's and not. so you know, because sometimes we get oversensitive, and, and that was the funny thing playing for my dad, and. and and I really think this is a good move by my dad. I mean, we're talking college basketball, and, you know, I thought I had all the answers, and that's part of what made me a great player. And it was also a fault and an inadequacy in me. I, you know, I wasn't very coachable. You know, I was probably one of the least coachable coaches' sons ever because uh, you know, I thought I was a coach. Well, my dad, but we were lucky to have a really good assistant coach, too. And basically, my dad let the assistant coach coach me. You know, like, we we didn't have a lot of direct interaction, and typically when we did, it kind of blew up. Jerry, I can relate because I played for my dad in youth, but also in college. And I'll tell you uh-huh. what, when you leave the, say when I was young, and you leave the, you know, playing field, and all of a sudden you get in the car and you drive uh-huh. home. Here we go. One, no, I'm serious. Here that was one of the worst experiences that I'd have at times. Go home, my mom would ask me what's wrong, I'd start crying, and then all of a sudden I'd get crazy around the house. If coaching your child turns into a negative, I mean, if it produces negativity outside the the court or the field or whatever, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Hey, Jerry, how do people uh, find your information? Um, if they want yeah. to get in contact with you, how do they go about that? Sure. The easiest way is, uh, you know, I do a ton of stuff on Twitter as far as just putting links out, you know, and putting information out. So at Jerry Meyer, J-E-R-R-Y-M-E-Y-E-R-247. And then if you go to the website, all you got to do is type in 247sports.com, 247sports, and then just hit basketball recruiting at the top. You know, that's what I control. That's what I run. All my material's free. So you don't have to have a membership. You know, if you're like, you know, a big fan or an alumnus, say, of Michigan State, and you want to, you know, get in deep on the message boards and get the VIP material on that, you know, particular Michigan State site, and then you sign up for that. But the material on a national level, all my rankings, all my articles, um, everything I'm putting out there is free. We uh, give kids a lot of advice on everything matters in our camps, on what you do. So as you evaluate kids and do rankings, how do you go about evaluating? What do you look for? Well, honestly, and it sounds like a flippant answer, but I'll fill it out. I just look for how good they are. And it starts at the top. Who's number one in this class and then on down? All right. Now, everything does matter because everything plays a part in that. But can the number, you know, the number five player in the country have a worse attitude than the number 500 player in the country? Absolutely, yes. And let's don't kid ourselves. The more talent you have, the more baggage you can have. 
Now, we'd rather not be that way, right? <laughs> we'd rather the number five player behave and act and be the type of teammate as if he weren't elite. But that's just the fact. So, yeah, everything does matter. And then what I've tried to do, I've been doing this 12 years, and I've tried to really think about it. What, what makes a player valuable? Well, it's how he contributes to winning. So that's like what we're seeing with these. That's one reason I love the NBA right now. Um, Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs, you know, these upper echelon teams. I mean, they're great examples of how to play basketball. And they, they don't fit, in my opinion, that uh, defunct, antiquated myth of a notion that the NBA is garbage. That's got to be hard in evaluating them, though, Jerry, because you look at a lot of kids that are rated very high in high school, and they end up not not doing well in college or making the NBA, and then somebody that's rated like you know maybe a hundred in that class ends up being a NBA All Star. I mean, it seems like yeah. that'd be a challenge to do. You, do you, when you evaluate, do you evaluate for college NBA what they project to? How do you do well, it? Well, I, I evaluate like like I look at it as their career. So you know when we're dealing with like say five-star players that are in that top 25, top 30 range, yeah, I'm thinking NBA. You know, hey, what, what kind of – because the NBA game, I don't care what anyone said, different than the college game. There's been a lot of great all-around college players who didn't make it in the NBA because the NBA is a niche sport. There, how many, you got 24 seconds to score. You're playing at the highest level. So there's only a handful of guys who get to have an all-around game. And, you know, like a Kobe, a facilitator who passes, dribbles, shoots, offense runs through them. You know, you got to have rebounders. you got to have that big guy who's a pick-and-pop guy. you got to have the guy who spots up in the corner. You know, it's, it's, more, you know, it's more of that game. So you're looking at all that, you know, you're just looking at the career. The, the, the lower-ranked players, you're thinking college. Now, the fact is, though, not that many guys come out of nowhere and are successful NBA players. Now, it does happen. We just really, really take note about note of it. And um, and there are your share of five-star busts. I think it's important that we're honest with our children and we don't feed them false hopes. And, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you know what? I don't, you know, I don't know that you should really be playing to be an NBA player. I think you should be playing because you love the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you want to compete. You want to win. You want to get as good as you can get, go as far as you can go, and wherever it is. But, see, we build it, this thing up where as soon as a kid sees it, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to play high major division one. Or, you know, I can only play at this level. They lose interest in the game because they were playing for the wrong reason. They were playing for an end result instead of playing for the journey and the process and the love of the game. Like Charlie Miller told us, don't worry, Duke isn't knocking down your door. You're not there to wave a towel. You want to play basketball. And you, yeah, look, at, you I mean, look at your dad. I mean, what he did at a small college level, he was one of the greatest coaches of all time on any level. To present this year's Jimmy V Award for Perseverance, please welcome Rob Lowe. This season, Coach Don Meyer broke an historic record in the annals of coaching Yet his is a name that not everyone has heard of. But to coaches like Bobby Knight, Pat Summit, and the legendary John Wooden, he is, quite simply, the man. 
Tonight, we honor more than Don Meyer's record. We honor an unbelievable triumph of will. All right, Coach, we're ready. We're going to let you go, Jerry. Uh, Jim has all been right. working all day on his big three, his trifecta questions to seek knowledge to make the game better. Here he is, Big Jim. Question number one, Jerry. If you are on, on an island and you have one movie to watch for the remainder of your life, what is it? Oh, my goodness. One movie. Well, I'll, I'll say sports movie. I'll, you know, I'll go simple and easy, Hoosiers. And most important. Don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Hoosiers. 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 All right, number two, if you had to recommend one book to change someone's life, what would it be? And I know you're a book lover. I'd say a book that, that had a huge influence on me, just in the way I sort of saw things and everything, was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. He's a professor on the on the part time. He writes, and this is funny to me. Part of why I like it. like I hate to put stuff together. Like if I'm going to buy a um, a grill, yeah. please have it come assembled. My wife won't buy anything that's not already assembled. She knows better. So what he did on the side is he wrote instruction manuals for how to put stuff together. So what he, this book is kind of about. So then he goes on a cross-country trip with his son who has mental issues. You know, he's, he's fighting schizophrenia. So it's a very deep, heart-touching story, and they go on a motorcycle trip. So he gets into, like, you know, taking care of your motorcycle, the daily process of doing that. If you neglect it, it's going to break down on you. You know, just life lessons stuff. And so what you have is this person who's an esoteric, abstract thinker, you know, teaching in the classroom philosophy, but then he's also writing mundane step one, step two instruction manuals, and he kind of fuses those two worlds together. And um, I, I just think a tremendous book. That is a tremendous answer right there. <laughs> so I got, so I got, hey, I love Phil. That's good. All right, the last one. It's better than, better than Hoosiers. There you go. <laughs> the last one here, Jerry. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you in your life? I don't know if I can, like, nail it to one phrase, but, you know, I think it would be right on what we were talking about with my dad. Sort of the idea, you you know, you respect everyone. There's value in everyone. You can learn from everyone. It's about the process and the journey of improving and trying to improve yourself and improve others. I mean, I just, I, I believe in that approach to life. Jerry, thanks, man. Very grateful for your time, okay? Okay. Take yeah, care and God bless you. Thanks, buddy. All right, now, All right, bye. That was the greatest answer for a book ever. He, he went so deep. I was trying to figure out where yeah, is he I going. was waiting to tell Jerry, oh, hey, you're going to have to explain the term esoteric. Jimmy's over there online Holy flipping cow. through the iPad. To my find mind's out. like just es flipping, so flopping right now. He's trying to spell esoteric with an S over there. S. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Terry. I mean, Jerry, I didn't even realize that I got through the seventh grade. Holy <laughs> yeah, this esoteric wow, isn't even Jerry. in this dictionary. This oh isn't even God. a word. Deep thinker. Yeah. Wow. I love All it. All right. So that's Jerry Meyer. Don't forget, you can go to BreakthroughBasketball.com to find great articles, great information, free stuff, all online. BreakthroughBasketball.com, our great sponsor. Jimmy, have a great day. You too, buddy. Head coach, Jim Huber. At forward, number five. He still lives with his mother on the Breakthrough Basketball Radio Network.